following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan it's time for the huge show from the east side to the west side to the UP the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE that's 1-866-838-4843 now the huge one Bill Simonson What's up, Michigan? It is time to get together on the only syndicated statewide afternoon sports radio show, 19 stations strong. For the one close to you, go to thehugeshow.net. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. It has gone official. Mel Tucker has been fired as the Michigan State head football coach, David Gregory. He's a lawyer, sports agent with Bull Rush Sports, based in West Michigan, NFLPA certified agent. He'll join us in studio. We'll go through the end of Tucker and the firing. We talked about it yesterday, the whys, but Haller was pretty strong, which... I found to be kind of crazy that where was that strength and venom during the past nine months when you knew there was an investigation, when you had the right to suspend Tucker with or without pay. So David Gregory will answer that. He's looked at uh, all the paperwork. Uh, We did get word just when we were starting that the Portland Trailblazers are trading Damian Lillard to the Bucks. As part of a three-team deal, really, Bucks didn't have to give up a lot. It's just about taking on the money. So there you go. Uh, hello, Eastern Conference. And the Pistons fans dreaming of a quick return. And also, Giannis could be a guy that could end up getting out of Milwaukee. So it's protection with the franchise player. We'll have more on that coming up later. I do want to bring in David Gregory. He joins us uh, in studio. Michigan State makes the Tucker firing official today. National headlines. I saw the USA Today story from Kenny Jacoby that I shared at Huge Show on Twitter, the Huge Show on Facebook. You were in studio yesterday for an hour. This was expected. Uh, they gave the notice. There's no surprise here. I... Haller being tough, I think, is a little show to try and maybe save his job on the backside when the dust settles here because even with the firing, which we knew would happen, you don't know how many players are going to hit that 30-day window for the transfer portal, how many eligible redshirt players will ask for that extra year and not play uh, the rest of the season, and what comes about from the Jones Day law firm investigation on possible leaks. Uh, on the complaint, on the names involved, and you get that hearing in October, which is private. It's not a public hearing, but uh, Tracy will have the ability, uh, Brenda Tracy, 
who's on the other side of this, will have the ability to share uh, any information now uh, the rest of the way. So a lot to get to. And David, uh, welcome back. Uh, it seems like it was just yesterday when you were in studio. I think it was, in fact, yesterday. It was. Thank you. I just wanted the days fly by here. Um, from the Tucker firing and everything you've read, seen, uh, the statement, I think, of Alan Haller, which probably was written by lawyers, I would guess, uh, really was strong in a legal sense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very strong. It was very short, very to the point. And as we predicted yesterday, it says, look, you vi- you're, the behavior that you admitted to violates the contract. Uh, and, the, and the behavior is you made sexual comments, you flirted, you had phone sex, that's a euphemism, with a university vendor. And it doesn't matter whether there was consent or not. And it doesn't matter whether, as you allege, it it happened outside the workplace. The fact that it occurred and that you admitted to it violates multiple provisions in your contract that allows us to sue you for cause. And it sets up, uh, again, no legal. (laughs) You shared the story with me, I think it was earlier today, uh, from the Detroit News that some legal experts are saying he doesn't, he being Mel Tucker doesn't have a, a great case on the other side if he chooses to sue Michigan State. Yeah, I, 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 again, I said yesterday I'd rather be Michigan State from a pure legal perspective in a lawsuit than Mel Tucker right now. He has, but as that article also indicated, there's a strong chance of some settlement here. It would be in everybody's interest ultimately to uh, settle for some portion of the contract. Well, and you get, here's the national headlines again. And this has just been a monster three weeks uh, for the school, just uh, getting peppered. And I don't know if it's over. I know this story kind of uh, today with the headline of Tucker getting fired, which is on you know CBS, ESPN, you're seeing it uh, everywhere, right? It's not going to go away. And will Tucker choose to fight it? And a lot of allegations and things about now, you know, his time in East Lansing and uh, what he allegedly uh, did. Uh, what will come out? What won't? Will others step forward? Is this story going to just be about what happens in that hearing? I mean, if you're Michigan State right now, uh, where do you go? What's your next move after here? I think it's to try and save, I will say this, save the football team. Uh, they fired the coach and now convince those players, hey, whether it's a red shirt or avoiding the transfer portal, uh, from a pure sports perspective, nothing against the Title IX complaint, they have to find a way to save MSU football. Well, that's correct. I mean, they have to they have to right the ship. They have to stop the bleeding, whatever uh, whatever cliche you want to use. But what else do they do? And I suggested yesterday that they ought to have a press conference where they just answer every single question under the sun until people don't even have any more questions. And they ought to release whatever documents they can and do a a document dump and try to put this, start to put this behind them. And that would be it for the moment they got wind of the complaint in December of 2022 up until where they are right now. And what concerns me about not a, there's been a few emails released, but not a document dump that, because, you know, Mel Tucker, there are some things that, as we talked yesterday and even after the show, that he's accused them of knowing about the leaks in August. Well, his accusations, if they are MSU, then why do you immediately suspend 
Tucker, right? I, I still go back to how I feel the minute I read this story a little after midnight. That would be Labor Day weekend, right? Yep. It's that the minute I read that story, I suspend Mel Tucker to err uh, with caution, that I protect the university, that Haller can be tough like he's been, you know, in this statement today. I get that, but your tough side should have been in the best interest of MSU, in the best interest of safety of alleged victims, in the best interest of just doing the right thing, Mel, you're going to be suspended with pay until this is over. That's it. Well, again, given the history. And they had the right. You, you said this from your first time in studio. MSU, the, the minute a Title IX complaint was fired or, or filed, they had a right not to fire him, but to suspend him. Very clearly under their Title IX policy. But, you know, here's what's interesting. It, Alan Haller said he didn't do that or didn't act sooner because he wasn't aware of anything in the report because MSU policy dictated that the supervising employee and the uh, acting president, interim president, could not know anything in the investigative report. But imagine now some Title IX lawyers say that's a good idea, some say that's a bad idea. But imagine if this is the highest highest paid public employee in the state of Michigan, the second most visible person at Michigan State next to Tom Izzo. He is the face of Michigan State to many people. Uh, that is Mel Tucker, and his supervisor. His supervisor is his employee. His excuse me, his supervisor, direct supervisor, had no knowledge of the contents of this investigative report. By his own statement, was blindsided, and had he been informed, he could have made the decision then that look, it doesn't matter. We don't have to go to hearing because that's what he's saying now. It violates the contract. What you admitted to violates the contract. We don't even need to go to the hearing. And again, I'm I'm looking at Michigan State as in your normal school that had, wow, look at this situation pop up. That when the complaint was filed, the fact that you got to Ju- it's it's July now before they get wind of the hearing, nothing's been settled as a leader. You're Alan Haller. You're the interim president Woodruff. You're the board of trustees, which some of them knew, some of them didn't, per the Title IX guidelines, right? That we're going to be safe here, and Mel, you're going to be suspended. Because here, here's what I'll say, and I can't divulge the details. There has been a lot about Mel Tucker and what's going on in East Lansing for a couple of years. Nothing that is substantiated on air or in a story. I think those will be coming. I really do. But you're Michigan State, and because of what you went through with Nasser, as a university, you had to err on the side of caution. And and I get football is big. You talk about him, the highest paid employee in the state of Michigan, right? Highest paid public employee. Yeah, yes. public, public, yeah, public. Uh, I think almost what two times the money of Izzo, or close to it, right? You had a football season starting. You're an AD. You you're waiting. The minute you got word of a hearing, you just had to, hey, man, you know, it's September. Yeah, you'd miss the Washington game. There's Central and uh, Richmond and these. And you, uh, we're going to sit you until after this hearing. Because at what point, this is what's interesting here in what you're saying with Haller. So at, at what point then does Michigan State supervisors, Alan Haller, the president, the board of trustees, whoever, at what point do they get 
any findings from this or they're allowed to see information in regards to the complaint that was filed? Well, what they said in the media and what the policies of MSU suggest is that no one except the Title IX uh, office and no one except uh, the investigator that they hired gets to see what was in the investigative report. But what about the, so what's the end result, the end game, that if, if Tucker wasn't fired, if, he, if this still was waiting on the hearing, when that hearing officer, which isn't a judge, it's appointed by the school, we talked about that uh, two days after uh, the story broke when you were in studio, is that, what, what's the process then? When, when someone would know, because right, if someone filed a Title IX complaint and you're the AD, you're the head of business school, you're the head of medical pharmacology, whatever. Any, at what point do you know if someone in under your, under your wing uh, did something and violated Title IX? Well, the implication is from MSU's policies and what they've said to the press was, let's assume this never leaked, no one other than the Title IX office folks, not the president, not the athletic director, n- nobody in the management of MSU would have heard about the outcome of any of this until the hearing officer issued a decision, which could be as much as 60 days after the hearing. So you're talking December. That, that, right. was, my, that was my point there. You're getting, and if there's an appeal... You you might you know you're you're getting into what you said yesterday the the first quarter of 2024 when I said give me a, a guesstimate on when this story could be over. So yeah, that the interesting question is should Alan Haller have blind blindly knowing just that there was a complaint and enough to go forward to a hearing suspended Mel Tucker maybe based on other things he'd heard or you know the history at MSU. That's number one. Number two, should he have been blind? Should he not have had been briefed to some extent about the seriousness, not of just the allegations, but behavior he admitted to? Don't you want to protect, okay, one thing I'm saying here, that if you're Title IX office and there are allegations and an investigation gets to the hearing point, right, like you said, based on credibility, it's a he said, she said, and you... There, there's enough there that violates, potentially violates Title IX. Shouldn't that somebody at that school be made aware of the investigation, the allegations, and then be able to decide whether that person stays on uh, working or they're suspended until the, until the hearing is over? I think that seems like pretty common sense. I would right? say yes, and... You know, if you have a policy that people can be suspended during the pendency of an investigation, but you can't tell anybody about the investigation, then what good is that policy? And you're Alan Haller. You're the AD. It's East Lansing. You know, David, you, you've worked down uh, in the state capitol in that area. People know what's going on. And again, I'm not going to jump on the uh, paparazzi allegations train. I won't go there. Uh, but it's pretty obvious. And then once, once you had an investigation that you knew when the complaint was filed in December 2022, it's then July. You're not getting anything. You're like, you know what, Mel, we're going to suspend you with pay to be safe. Yeah. We're going to suspend you with pay. We're going to get to that hearing. That's the bye week. 
We're going to go through uh, these games outside of Washington, not a lot of high-profile games, right? Right. And we're going to get through it, and during that bye week, we'll reassess where we're at. That seems like a simple play by Alan Haller. It really does. But if you had lawyers who said, well, wait a minute, he could sue us in. If, if it's, look at what happened. It's Twitter, Facebook. It's just the uh, message board mafia. Uh, football season was starting. Let's be honest. You're an AD. Your bread and butter sport is not Tom Izzo in Michigan State basketball. Your bread and butter, and I mean money sport, is Michigan State football. And that share you get off that TV deal. Right. Yeah, and I think Tom Izzo even readily acknowledges that, M- you know, MSU football is still the big dog in terms of revenue and how Nick people Saban feel, didn't believe that how people feel about the athletic program in a university. But think about it: if if Alan Haller had been briefed, let's assume that he was not on at least some of the outlines of what Mel Tucker admitted to. By his own logic, he would have had to fire him then because what they have said is. The hearing doesn't matter. Whether he violated the policy doesn't matter. He admitted to conduct. He admitted to it. And that is enough that violated his contract, and we can fire him for cause. Well, the minute there was a complaint, I wouldn't have suspended him. But as we get into two, three, four, five, six months, I'm like, uh uh-oh. Just my human radar is something's up here. I'm going to move forward under our MSU Title IX Policy guidelines, you're suspended, Mel. Even before fall football starts, you have a complete staff that can handle everything. Uh, Mel, on that bye week after the hearing, we will reassess where you're at. Now, you can say there's no decision made that day. It's not like a judge on a TV show where at the end they, this is this, this is this. But at least by then, you would have had an understanding of how deep this story is in some way, shape, or form. And for East Lansing, for me being around here 22 years, I live 60 miles away, right, give or take, station to home to East Lansing. People at MSU know what's going on at MSU. They can spin it any way they want to. They can say I didn't hear anything, that I didn't know what was in that report, which isn't lying. You're not lying if you're Alan Haller. You didn't know until you read the USA Today story. But you had a chance as it was dragging on. He didn't know that Tucker and their attorney were slow playing things and that Tracy, Brenda Tracy, within a month, all her witnesses, everybody was from the filing of the complaint within a month, it was all done on her side. His didn't wrap up, at least what I'm reading, April into May, you know, early May, give or take. So uh, you don't know the timeline. You you know your head coach is under – this is where I I just really have doubt. You're Alan Haller. You're the interim president. You're the board of trustees. Some didn't know. Some didn't. That you wouldn't be given an update that the investigation is still ongoing that we finished with the complaint, we're now dealing with Tucker. It's not details yet. I get that Title IX privacy, which we don't know if they followed that with the Jones Day law firm investigation that's ongoing. But man, uh, I'm like, okay, uh, 
So you're, you're David. You're a talk show host with me. I own the huge network. And I have your back when someone accuses you of something. Yeah, I got your back. Kind of talk to you. You say, look, I can't tell you. But, man, if you looked at me, because it's not like Alan Haller couldn't have any contact with Mel Tucker. He knew enough. I knew enough to suspend him and in and, and the best interest of the university, the athletic department, because if you suspended him, yeah, there would have been a hornet's nest in August when there's no games. Well, he knew enough to issue a no-contact order with Brenda Tracy, number one, and to implement other supervisory measures at that time by his own admission. Okay. He knew so, something. All right. So, David, you, you brought this up the first day you were in studio. The, uh, it was a, after Labor Day or the Monday uh, before that, whenever it was, when you were in studio, okay? Because this story seems like it's been going on for two years, doesn't it? <laughs> really, which is so bad for Michigan State's image. So if you had to increase supervision, Alan Haller, the Michigan State AD by his own admission, increase supervision of Mel Tucker while on your campus and have a no-contact order, now, from my understanding of the court system and you being a lawyer and you're a sports agent with Bull Rush Sports, anytime you hear no contact, yeah, you can get someone accuse you of something with a PPO and you get automatically no contact until two weeks later, that next Friday, you get in front of the judge and they say, no, there's nothing here, right? Right. You're a lawyer. So it's December. I, I don't know when he... Uh, instituted the no contact and the supervision clause or whatever he put towards Mel Tucker. But you're not thinking that, okay, now you get to six, seven months later that, hey, this isn't done, man. This, I, whoa, I, I know I can't ask Mel about it. I know it's private, but I'm suspending him. He's not touching. He, he's no part of fall practice or games until this is taken care of. And you know what? If Alan Haller would have done that, he'd be a hero right now. He'd be a hero because he did something that the university didn't do with Nasser, and they tried to take care of it inside their own circle. It feels like there's a lack of leadership at Michigan State That's in general. That's understatement, understatement of the year, David. You, 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 you are rarely understated on this show uh, in private or any time I've ever talked to you. But my friend, that is the biggest understatement ever. It is. Well, look, I, I think, number one, people at MSU who were in the know, whoever that was, should have assumed this was going to go public mm-hmm. and going to be in the national media, and we need to be prepared to get out in front of it, number one. Number two, I mean, if Alan Haller truly was blindsided or he was told just enough just enough to know that he had to have a no contact order and some more supervision. And I, I hate to, I hate to criticize Alan, Alan Haller, but I would say he should have demanded, he should have said, I demand to know, I have to know what's in that investigative report. I have to know to be able to run my department and to protect the university. Or he could have went to Mel Tucker. Again, I don't know. You're the lawyer. I don't know everything on how you deal with a title nine complaint, but I would have said, Hey, Mel, uh, when when it's three, four months later, we need to get this taken care of. And you would tell him that. Now I don't I don't don't tell me the details. Mel, you have to get your side of this taken care of. Have you? That's all. You're asking someone to 
you know, did you go down and take care of your speeding ticket or get in front of the judge? You don't ask people what was said or whatever. You could look up a transcript, but did you get? Uh, there are so the the number one warning sign that when you were in studio, I think it was a week after. It wasn't the Monday after. It was a week later or that week. That when you're Alan Haller and you had to issue a no contact with Brenda Tracy and added supervision to a guy with a $95 million deal, $79 million remaining on it, and you as AD could not step up and suspend him because you were concerned about your football season. And the biggest moneymaker on campus at Michigan State, outside of their wonderful donors, is football. That's it. And coming off a bad season, it was a big year for Mel Tucker. I personally believe that Alan Haller will not survive this when it's all said and done. I believe I, I, there is no way, when you talk about leadership, they got an interim president. They, you know, we talked yesterday, what do you do, get a president first and a football coach? Well, uh, how long is that going to be? What president's going to want to step into this? Uh, you get a football coach. What football coach is going to want to step into this? They're going to wait and see what happens in the next 30 days with the transfer portal and also these red shirts. All Alan Haller had to do, if you're a smart man, and again, your understatement there will not be held against you in any huge court of law. If I had to say, okay, you're my producer. I'm working here at iHeart West Michigan. That's our flagship station, 96 won the game. Tim Fagan, who's one of the great radio guys I've ever worked with, said, hey, Bill, we got this complaint. And if I had to say, Dave, hypothetically, I have to issue a no contact for that person who filed the complaint, and I got to add extra supervision, I wouldn't do that. I'd say, Dave, uh, we're going to need to, uh, you're going to have to step away from this. Figure that out on your own. I'll help you any way I can. But you got to take care of that before you can be a part of the show. That's simple. We'll suspend you with pay until we get to the bottom of this. Yeah, give you give you a month, give you a time, not nine months. Not nine months. Superfly's going, oh, Bill, give me like, okay, you got like uh, till 7.30 tonight to take care of it. That Alan Haller having to put the no con, and that hasn't been brought up enough. That has That just slid by everything in this story. And Alan Haller won't survive. There'll be a new president. And when I say survive, I'm talking stay on as Michigan State AD. You had a chance to make one of the best decisions a leader has ever made at Michigan State. Whether it was a lawyer, whether it was someone who told you, whether it was the fact that you brought Mel Tucker to Michigan State, right? I mean, you're looking at all these different factors that – were you tight with Mel? I, I don't know their relationship. I, I don't either, but technically Bill Beekman was the athletic Be- director when he got hired. Alan, Hall- Alan Haller was in the athletic department. He became athletic director and was the athletic director when they gave him the mega contract. That's right. Okay, so again, there's there's that loyal, uh, there's a side there that I'm saying, because they had all that transition with D'Antonio abruptly resigning. They're coming out of uh, a hornet's nest there at MSU. So Beekman, yeah, I forget about him as the... Interim guy after Hollis quickly departed as well, right? The former Michigan State AD. You know, and Alan Heller has a law enforcement background as well. That I find a little interesting here. He was an MSU police officer and rose to the, you know, very high up in that department at one point. 
look, there are no good choices here. There were no good choices for Alan Haller. There were no good choices for the interim president. But these people get paid a lot of money, a lot of public money, tax dollars, to make hard decisions and to make them in the public interest. And to protect the integrity and reputation of the institution. And what you what I was saying was he was the guy that gave him the big deal. Yes, didn't, exactly. Didn't you know sign him to the original contract? You're you're the guy that put up the ninety five million. In your thinking, if you're Alan Haller, did you cut him some slack that you normally and and you talk about the tough background and upbringing? Did you cut him slack because he you were there? signing that $95 million deal with that coach. That coach was 2-0 against Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh was in disarray. This was the turning point for Michigan State to become the next Ohio State. That's what they thought. Well, look, I I don't know if he cut him some slack, and I I can't get inside people's heads, but I will say this. He must have known. I'm the guy who owns that decision forever. Hmm. I'm the guy who owns the decision to give him that mega contract. I, you know, on one, some way, shape, or form, I'm going to be held accountable for it. How it turns out, that's really going to be his legacy. That probably was going to be his legacy, and now it will really be probably how he handled this. Yeah, and who the new president is and what the Board of Trustees, because they are notorious in East Lansing, the Michigan State Board of Trustees, for finding a scapegoat. They are notorious straight down political avenue on finding a scapegoat in somebody that they, not now, because you just fired Mel Tucker today, but based on what else comes out, if there's anything else that rolls in here, because they're, they're digging. You know, USA Today, investigative reporters, everybody is in Michigan digging. Uh, David Gregory, by the way, a lawyer, NFL PA certified agent with Bull Rush Sports. They focus on Michigan athletes, state of Michigan uh, athletes and coaches. Uh, look them up on Twitter, uh, at Bull Rush Sports, uh, David Gregory. Uh, stick around for one final segment. We'll wrap this up, but I appreciate the input on the day Mel Tucker was officially fired. Gregory, Bull Rush Sports, proud to be a partner with him, man. Uh, they're doing good things. Uh, they really are. Like I said, look them up on Twitter, Bull Rush Sports. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. Tracy, over to you for weather. Oh, the sun must be shining, Dave, because the 7 for 7 sale is back at Meyer. Mix or match hundreds of items like Meyer frozen vegetables, Campbell's condensed soup, and Body Armor sports drink. Pick any 7 for just $7. There's a strong chance of saving with the same quality Meyer deals in-store or online. Back to you, Dave. Sounds great, Tracy. Deals so good. You've just got to talk about them. Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news 
press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. Friday, October 27th, TVs and Practical Jokers are up to their usual tricks. If you're not here, you are missing out. It's the Tenderloins at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Sal, James, and Brian for two shows and twice the laughs. 7 and 10 p.m. Tickets start at $59. On sale now at the box office and etix.com. Don't miss the Drive, 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 Drive Tour with the Tenderloins, October 27th. Party hard, laugh louder. Details at SoaringEagleCasino.com. Bill Simonson here for Roast Umber Coffee. It's a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And their nitro cold brew coffee is a convenient and healthy option with no sugar or additives. So if you want a great coffee or energy drink to power you through your morning and your day, it's available in ground or whole bean or in cans. More information on the website and direct delivery to your door at RoastUmber.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. show is back live across Michigan. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Wednesday broadcast presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. My conversation with Mark Ewell, the latest about Michigan high school sports coming up. I'm getting some comments on the huge text chain. Is this the end of the Mel Tucker story? I, I don't think it is. I think there's a lot of fallout. The most important thing is how many of those players will hit the portal. Because a lot of those guys were Mel Tucker recruits and transfer portal guys. They have 30 days now with the official firing on the clock to enter the portal. Now, they could still enter the portal at the end of the year. 
but you'll get a you'll get a gauge on where this team is at, how tight they are by how many of these guys at Michigan State jump in in the next thirty days. Exactly, and but you can't blame a kid. You, you can't blame a kid for putting his name in a portal. You to didn't see sign what's up for there. this. You, you didn't, didn't sign. You did not sign up for this. You did. That is for sure. And you got parents, even though they're adults, you still have parents where a coach or coaches plural sold you on the integrity of Mel Tucker. You know, again, uh, he's at the top. And then you, I think Jim Comperoni from SpartanMeg.com told me. Up to 11 guys he thought could be eligible for red shirts. That are in the playing group, right? Yeah, they're in the playing group. That's a that's a pretty important gauge, too. That, that is a big number there because if you or – you're already a bad football team. Just away from the Tucker uh, situation, anything. Uh, Title IX complaints. From a pure football standpoint, they're a bad football team right now. And if you lose two or three starters on both sides of the ball, two starters on both sides of the ball. That's a problem. The depth's already a problem for them. And just a reminder, if you put your name in the transfer portal, you don't leave. You're just allowed to be contacted to see what's out there so you can leave next semester. And get a jump on everybody else. Right. And you might leave. Well, you got to finish off your semester for grades to transfer. I mean, kids put academics first uh, at the Power 5 schools. But, But how many kids do it, though? That could just blow up the locker room, too. Right? Where... Guys that are still true and loyal to MSU and other guys that are leaving. Well, again, I, I think everybody can say, look, there's, things are a mess here. They're uncertain. I'm going to put my name in the portal and see what's out there. But if eight or nine guys say, look, I'm going to take my red shirt this year. I'm not going to play. That, you know that's going to impact the on-field performance. Well, but, but by doing that, though, your Michigan State this season is already toast. They, maybe Nebraska at home and at Indiana. Might be the only chances for W's. You may want those 11 red shirts. That would be attractive. You you may want anybody on offense or defense worth a darn to take the red shirt because it will be attractive to a coach coming in. Possibly. But I, but I don't know. Are, can you name 11 guys? God, I, I don't want to pile on the players. But can you look at offense or defense right now and eligible red shirts? I guess I'll have to go through you know, the list. I'll talk to Comp later about it. But yeah, and all this is the fallout. And you still have that hearing and what Brenda Tracy wants to share. If I'm Mel Tucker, I think I need to go to that hearing. I think I need to go to that hearing, explain myself. And when I come out of that hearing, now he can flip it and, and drop stuff on what happened in the hearing. I think he needs to do that because it's a way for him to not save his name, but to keep this as a woman that had a relationship with me. I think it's important. Are you as a lawyer, as a NFL PA player agent with Bull Rush Sports, final thoughts here before we wrap up our two segments. Would you recommend for Mel Tucker to go to that hearing and present his side of the story? Well, he'd have to be, he'd be subject to cross-examination, I guess on balance, I'd say... But there's no evidence presented at this trial. Or not trial, excuse me. This uh, Title IX hearing. Yeah, it's a little unclear, but it sounds like there's really... Would you tell him to to go or not go? Well, you're not under oath, and you are going to be cross-examined. I guess I'd marginally say, go, tell your side of the story. Uh, 
you know, sell our narrative because it will marginally help in the lawsuit to, to put forth, look, this was private behavior. Look, we had a relationship. It was consensual. Is there a transcript of these hearings? Oh, I'm sure a transcript yeah, is made. Yeah. So that transcript could be big for him uh, if he ever wants to work one day. And that would be down the road. But we've seen a lot of stories in college football where and sports where guys come back. So yeah, it'll be interesting how this plays out or if there's a settlement on both sides there. So Michigan State now has fired him. They can talk to Brenda Tracy if she wants to settle. But I think she needs to see it through now to the hearing. Right. Yeah, I think to preserve her credibility as a survivor advocate, she's got to see this through, not settle. And she said that's what she's going to do. And I do think, you know, what is this hearing about on some level? Because MSU has said clearly, you admitted to the behavior and it doesn't matter whether there was consent and it doesn't matter whether you considered it private. It violates your contract. We can fire you. But on the flip side, that's where I said the hearing for Tucker could be a chance for him uh, to tell his side of the story. If he doesn't show up, that's... Uh, a bad look in in my eye. Yeah, I think you're in for a dime, in for a dollar at this point. Yeah, amen. Now, David Gregory, lawyer, NFLPA certified sports agent with Bull Rush Sports. They're based in West Michigan. They focus on state of Michigan athletes and coaches. Look them up on Twitter. Just search Bull Rush Sports. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. There are 13 folds that bring the American flag to the iconic shape of freedom. This summer, Folds of Honor and Budweiser celebrate 13 years of changing military and first responder lives together. Service never stops, and neither will we. So join me in raising a Budweiser to raise funds for Folds of Honor. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Budweiser Lager Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. I'm Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball. I'm Herman Moore, and football is my game. So we know a few things about sports. And the passion of Detroit fans. That's why we're big fans of Eagle Casino and Sports. It's the mobile sports book that lets you bet on action all year long. Right from your mobile device. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan. Made for Michigan. Download the app and start winning today. Must be 21 or older and in Michigan to play. How would you like to win $1,500 in cash from Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Carter Dorn Mayhew Firm? All you have to do is beat my pro football picks and you could be the winner. Get your picks in until early Sunday morning at thehugeshow.net. Merck Perks from Mercantile Bank is here. Merck Perks checking has all you need to plan your busy lifestyle. Travel services for hotels, airfare and cruises, cash back rewards, and even savings on prescriptions, eyewear, and dental work. Merck Perks also includes all the traditional benefits you love, like online and mobile banking and fee-free access to almost 40,000 MoneyPass ATMs. So when you're ready for Perks, Merck is here. Learn more at MyMerckPerks.com, member FDIC. 
refuge here for all the Mr. Car Wash locations across Michigan. You're going to want to look into that unlimited monthly pass that I use. Superfly Hayes, my producer, uses it. I can get my SUV washed as often as I like for one low price. You can sign up today. Just go to MrCarWash.com or stop by your local Mr. Car Wash location here in Michigan for the one close to you. And to get that unlimited pass, go to MrCarWash.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. The Huge Show is back live across Michigan. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Hey, a reminder for those of you listening on 96.1 The Game, our flagship station, tomorrow night, Packers, Lions, 8.15 is the kick on all of the 75-inch TVs at the Dirty Shame Bar and Grill on Fulton in Ada. I will be there tomorrow. They got new owners. New management, great employees, an unbelievable menu, and the Lions and the Packers on all the TVs at the Dirty Shame Bar and Grill on Fulton, just east of Ada. That is tomorrow night. I'll arrive right around 8. You can get there early, grab dinner, and join me at the Dirty Shame in Ada for the Lions and the Packers. Big. Bad. Huge. The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It is time to begin our number two on an MHSAA Wednesday. In a moment, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, will join us in studio. We'll talk about the latest in high school sports all across the state and also uh, get to one of their headline stories at MHSAA.com. An all-woman football officiating crew makes history, inspires more to be made, I see that some high schools are getting grants from the Lions and the NFL across the country funding girls' flag football. A huge flag football participation in Arizona. I saw those numbers, so we'll talk about could that be a reality one day here in Michigan. The weather is different than uh, Phoenix and Flagstaff and Tucson, Arizona, and we'll get to new sports that could be added. We'll talk about the fall sports that are rolling along, high school football bigger and better than ever before. And Ford Field will have a different look on the Saturday and Sunday championships. Always remember, you can go to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and something that I love, MHSAA.tv. The app, I think I paid 70 bucks for the year. Uh, I can watch games anywhere in this state, across this country, on demand. I can go back and watch my son's Forest Hills Eastern team player, their next opponent. It really is cool. So go to MHSAA.tv. Mark Ewell, uh, he is a proud papa. His son, Grant, 
uh, is a backup linebacker at the Air Force Academy, and they're bouncing around the country following Grant, watching him play. He joins us uh, in the studio. I think he just purchased a private jet, so congrats, Mark. <laughs> uh, that does not happen, but uh, no, it's been great. I appreciate you just talking about Grant. Yeah, he's a number two inside backer, and he has uh, started on the kickoff team the last couple weeks at Air Force, so we're fresh home from a Friday night game at San Jose State uh, last Friday. The uh, Flying Falcons are 4-0. Uh, we're home with San Diego State this weekend, so I'll fly back to Denver Friday night for the Saturday night game. And, Bill, the week after, it's Air Force's bye week, and this dad could not be more thankful for a bye week, a weekend uh, with no plane rides, but uh, it has been the ride of our lives. Uh, watching Grant. Yeah, it's awesome, man. He's a former DeWitt Panther, right? Uh, and you get a chance to go see him and get away from everything going on, and you're watching high school football. I'm telling you, man. You know, I know Texas and Florida and California and people talk about Pennsylvania. Uh, and my son has been a part of Joe Schwander's team for uh, the last three years since he came up at the end of his freshman year. But the high school football in Michigan, the quality, the way these kids are training in offseason, the quality staffs, uh, just the, the fan experience, the game day you know, tailgating, not like a college tailgate, but, you know, uh, you know, a high school tailgate. It's just really better than ever, uh, everywhere across the state. It really is. It is. You know, uh, participation numbers are up. You know, we're really seeing in the, football. Really? They are in football. How, how much are they up? Uh, about 5%, which, uh, you know, what's interesting, Bill, is 10 but years ago. that's pretty good considering the number of kids who play statewide. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, everybody was writing kind of the, the obituary for high school football. It was all of the health and safety concerns. It was concussion. And uh, in a little under a decade, uh, really that narrative has changed. I would argue with folks that it has never been safer to play high school football than it is today with the kind of off-season training that kids are doing, with the advances uh, that equipment, uh, even every single year, whether it be helmet and and other things, uh, the way that the game is coached, the way that the game is officiated. um, There has never been a safer time to play high school football. Uh, There was a big story in the New York Times this weekend uh, that really just said that, you know, we were talking about the demise of of this uh, staple of Americana in all over the country numbers, whether it's a post COVID bounce or just more kids coming out. Uh, participation levels are up. Interest has never been higher. And uh, you're right, Bill, uh, the, the formula we have in Michigan, while it may not get the uh, headlines like Florida or Texas, uh, the recipe we've got is pretty special. And the way it ends at Ford Field in this year because of Michigan State playing Penn State on that Friday night, uh, not forecasting what was coming Michigan State's way or where the team would be at, but Penn State could be playing for the Big Ten East. That Friday night at Ford Field for one year only, you will go to Saturday, Sunday, uh, November, what is it, 20? 25 and 26. 26, 25, 26, Thanksgiving Day weekend. That will be for one year only because next year with the expanded college playoff, Michigan-Ohio State uh, will move up to the previous weekend. It will, and so we're really excited come next year that we'll really have Thanksgiving weekend kind of back on our own. The the really quick evolution is before conference championship games, Bill, uh, we did have the stage do ourselves Thanksgiving weekend. Michigan-Ohio State was always the weekend before. Um, 
when leagues expanded, they went from an 11-game schedule to a 12-game schedule. Uh, the season now ends on Thanksgiving weekend, so no, we're going to make Friday and Saturday work this year, but we're incredibly excited that uh, when we get back in our normal schedule next year that uh, the only thing that we'll have to compete with are those conference championships played over that weekend, and uh, that's a really good thing for our game. You know, out of the pandemic, there were a couple changes. Uh, some schools go uh, – playoffs, you go to the – uh, ticketless, cashless system, which I don't have an issue with. Some schools don't have great Wi-Fi, so you need to take care of that probably at your home or business before you go to a game. Uh, and, and then you you look at the way the playoff structure of getting to Ford Field is done. Pandemic, you let everybody in. I don't think we're ever going back to that, right, where everybody plays in the playoffs? No, that's actually one thing we're surveying of our schools this fall. Um, just what what is the future of the football playoffs look like? And there is not a ton of support to double the playoff field to let everybody in because, frankly, I don't think those first-round games of an 8-0 playing an 0-8 are good for anybody. And uh, that's the feedback we're getting from our schools. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio. We try and get together every month or so and get an update on uh, everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at where... Uh, the sport is where kids are. Things are moving forward. The talent is there. And I mentioned the MHSAA.tv and the ability to watch games live if you have something going on or uh, that weekend after you can see it again. Uh, you can watch opponents. You can pick up on a great game in another state. It's a fabulous deal. I, what I pay? Maybe $69.99, $79.99 for the whole year. I love it. The best thing of the pandemic, Bill, is the jet fuel. Because we had a handful right. of schools that were kind of playing around with streaming and what could we do. But the pandemic uh, literally poured jet fuel into this machine. And uh, streaming is never going back. Uh, that that uh, toothpaste is out of the tube. And no, for parents that travel or aunts and uncles out of state or um, whatever that may be. And then the other thing is, you know, now parents don't have to video the game. It's you go to the game, you watch your kid play, and, uh, you know, the team is a big win or your child had, uh, you know, an exceptional game. Uh, everything on our site is not only live stream, but you can go back and watch the archived replays on demand anytime you want. So, uh, um, yeah, lot, lots that I still rue about uh, what COVID brought us, but what it's done for streaming and build the, the quality in most places is actually really, really good. So, uh, no, um, that, that is one of the, the greatest benefits of living through a pandemic is, uh, you know, you're, you're now really in many sports, you'll never miss one of your kids' games again. And the branding. Okay, let, let me just say from a marketing side and being in the sports radio business for 32 years, that now there are highlights of kids making a big play. I can, I can share a highlight of my son with friends, family, or if it's great, with my listeners. Or they might share a highlight of their son, and this is what he did in that game versus, you know, Grand Blank or something. It's, and it helps brand the schools, the individuals, the teams. Uh, it brands MHSAA football. Because now when you look on these uh, Instagram reels or Facebook reels, or highlights on Twitter, uh, you're getting you're they're talking about that game last night or that game last Friday. And oh my God, look at this play to end it. Look at the hail mary, right? It is video is 
I think the most powerful tool that there is in, in drawing eyeballs and attention. And, you know, it's like even looking at a, at a news story in any uh, newspaper's website is the articles that tend to get clicked are the ones that include video. That's what people like. And I think the younger you are, the more video that you want to consume. And, you know, by us having a, uh, a streaming platform and for video now to be more available uh, than it's ever been before at uh I think it only it only helps us draw more eyeballs to uh, to that product at school sports. Yeah, Don Patton, uh, whose son Drew plays with my son for Grand Rapids Forest Hills Eastern. Don's a teacher, I think, at Coopersville. He is. He decided he worked. He got the OK from the OK conference, which is all the conferences basically in West Michigan, and he's doing daily updated standings and scores. And starting to get a ton of hits because the newspapers used to look the next day in the paper, they'd have the standings for all the fall sports, right? Your local small town paper, or even the uh, bigger city papers. So there's no place to look for it. Nope. And right. Don, Don's gone off and uh, kind of created his own. Oh, because, fantastic. You know, he and I are about the same age and starting off, uh, he taught and coached at Coopersville and I was teaching and coaching at Thornapple Kellogg in Middleville and they were in our league. So I got to know Don pretty well. And you're right. Back when we started uh, 20 years ago, you'd grab the Grand Rapids Press and Saturday morning there were scores and there were box scores and there were standings. And of course, as media has changed, that's disappeared. And so no, uh, Don Patton uh, doing a great job. We're actually uh, have been communicating with Don. We're trying to figure out how we can help partner uh, his site and what he's trying to do uh, for the local sports scene over here. So uh, hats off to Don. Or maybe even set up a template where this is being done in your bigger cities or even your smaller cities where somebody, the same way you kind of started the streaming side of this, right? You bet. Where, Where you get somebody who's diligent like Don is, who really enjoys it, where who didn't love Saturday mornings picking up your paper, looking at the conference standings, right? I know some will say, oh, newspaper, that's that's dinosaur, uh, archaic, what's going on? No, it, it was a good breakfast, whether you went out to grab a bite to eat or an omelet or eating a bowl of cereal to look at the standings or the highlights or some of the photos from those games. But I get times have changed. They have. I told Don, I said, you know, you have the template where, you know, you could take this to all these cities and you could, you know, because people want standings. Like, oh, who are we going to play in the soccer tournament, right? Yep. Uh, you know, wait, what, where are we at in the standings? I don't know. Even the coaches don't know. So it's cool. That's good. Good for Don Pat. What you bet. You guys are partnering with everybody. Mark, uh, Mark Ewell in the studio, executive director of the MHSAA. By the way, if you want to follow everything Michigan High School Sports, MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and do what I did. Sign up for the year. Be able to watch your local teams, uh, great players across the country, uh, MHSAA.tv. That's MHSAA.tv. Mark, I know you're doing your tour right now uh, where you go across the state. Uh, you get feedback from local schools and we'll talk about some of the hot issues right now connected to high school sports in Michigan. More with you after this network TO. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is huge. There are 13 folds that bring the American flag to the iconic shape of freedom. This summer, Folds of Honor and Budweiser celebrate 13 years of changing military and first responder lives together. 
Service never stops, and neither will we. So join me in raising a Budweiser to raise funds for Folds of Honor. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Budweiser Lager Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Huge here for my good friend, Matt Golden. Now, he's a CEO and GM at the Tullymore Golf Resort. They're in Canadian Lakes, Michigan, less than an hour north of Grand Rapids. And fall golf is here, and they have some huge deals you can take advantage of on stay-and-play packages, tee times, and more. Just go to TullymoreGolf.com. That is TullymoreGolf.com. Also, if you want to book a Christmas party for the holidays, you want to squeeze in a business meeting, with some golf and great food and beverages, Matt Golden and his team can take care of you right now. Go to TullymoreGolf.com. That's TullymoreGolf.com. They're also booking big groups who want stay and play packages, or maybe you just want to look ahead to the perfect weekend in 2024. Remember, Tullymore is less than an hour north of GR in Canadian Lakes, Michigan. Book your stay and play package or get more info now at TullymoreGolf.com. Fuel up for less with M Perks. Earn points on your purchases when you shop at Meyer in store and online. Then use your points to claim a fuel reward and save at the pump. Your dollar goes further at the pump with M Perks. Plus, earn points for all qualifying purchases in the Meyer Express station and keep a lookout for exclusive Meyer Express offers. Enter your M Perks ID at checkout to earn. Exclusions apply. Not valid in Wisconsin. Max 30 gallons. Download the Meyer app to sign up or see Meyer.com to learn more. Roast Umber is a farm direct coffee sourced from Central American farmers and roasted in Grand Rapids. And also the Nitro Cold Brew Coffee is a convenient and healthy option for energy with no sugar additives. Look for it at your local retailer or at RoastUmber.com. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle. Go bowling for bucks to win premium play prizes that are right up your alley. Drawings are every Friday in September from 7 to 11 p.m. And one lucky winner every hour strikes up to $3,000 premium play. Roll the ball and hit your lucky strike with Bowling for Bucks. Only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway. Reimagine. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan, hour two on a Wednesday, presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Mark Ewell, executive director for the MHSAA, is in studio with us talking high school sports and some of the possible changes and things that schools are thinking about and what the MHSA is doing on a daily basis. They're always looking out for the best interest of the high school athlete in the state of Michigan. And Mark, you do your tour every year where you get feedback uh, from member schools and what are some of the things you're asking schools across the state so the the two and this may bore your listeners so I'll, I'll try and just keep this short and sweet but there's two legislative issues right now that um, are really front and center for us the first and, and Bill we've talked briefly on this on air before last summer um, our state changed the retirement rules for public school retirees um, long story short, now when a person retires from a public school district, they have to separate from the district for nine months. 
So let's say that I was at uh, Caledonia High School and I retired last June as a 30-year teacher, but I wanted to keep coaching cross-country and track my first two years of retirement. And uh, well, the way that when the law changed last summer, I retire from the classroom in June, I can't do anything for any public school for the next nine months. I've been in this business now nearly 30 years, Bill, and if I would ask school people the first 25, what's your biggest challenge? And the answer was always money. And I've asked that same question, what's your biggest challenge right now in schools? And the answer is now never money. It's always people. Uh, At our meeting yesterday here in Grand Rapids, I talked to a superintendent who said, Mark, don't be offended if I have to get up and leave at 145 to get back to my district because I drive a bus run every day as the superintendent because he cannot find people to drive bus. So right now, people have never been harder to find, but yet our state passed this new retirement law because they didn't want folks double dipping. So long story short, uh, we worked with a member of the House and uh, a fix to this, which would allow folks to return and work part-time for a school district as a coach as a substitute teacher, as a bus driver, as an official, um, to where they could come back as long as they're making less than $15,000 during that time. They're able to come back and work at a school. They're able to continue to collect their pension, and we feel like this is a good common-sense approach. So that's actually right now in the Senate. We're hoping that it will be voted on by the end of the week, and then hopefully it gets on the governor's desk in the next week or two and we can finally get this fixed. But uh, arguing with the Office of Retirement Services over the last 13 months has been maybe the most frustrating experience of my life, uh, trying to get this fixed so our recent retirees could come back, keep coaching for a year or two. Uh, recent retirees could keep officiating, could you know be a substitute bus driver if they wanted to, uh, just a complete lack of common sense. So that that's really been the, the first big issue that we've talked with our school folks front and center. So if this makes its way through the Michigan Senate and Governor Whitmer signs it, would it be immediate or would it start, you know, uh, a fiscal year, a school year? Uh, how would this play out? And also the follow-up to that is how, how many people uh, does it mean to uh, Michigan high schools across the board? What's the guesstimate? So the people it impacts right now, it's hundreds because we have hundreds of educators that retire each year. And again, they're not looking to come back and work right away to to make another full salary. We're talking someone who's been a teacher and a coach for 30 years. They've had enough of the everyday grind of the classroom, but you know what? They've got a really special group of kids on their golf team or on their cross-country team. And that first year or two of retirement, I want to kind of ease into this, so I want to be able to keep coaching. That bill is something that, that plays out in almost every single one of our communities. And to answer the first question, the good part is we have gotten some lawmakers to listen to us on this. And right now, everything that's moving forward would have immediate effect. So once this hits the governor's desk and once she's able to sign it, which we believe she will, um, it will have immediate effect, which means uh, an awful lot of adults out there that just want to help kids um, and and have a good experience, uh, that that'll be able to happen immediately. So fingers crossed. Uh, We're not across the goal line yet, but we're at least now inside the 10-yard line, and hopefully in the next two weeks this will get done. 
And you talk about a, a lack of bodies, and we discussed the good things that came out of the pandemic, like streaming and the explosion of high school sports on streaming platforms in Michigan. People, you know, businesses still are looking for bodies. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out because the, the free money and the assistance to the massive majority ended when you know, businesses started opening up again. And I don't care if it's uh, local pubs, restaurants, uh, stores. Uh, they keep talking about not enough bodies out there uh, to cover their workforce. Exactly right. And, and in the world of education, um, I hear stories every single day of, of schools not being able to find full-time teachers, certainly not being able to find support staff. And uh, I will say his name on air, that superintendent is Dr. Jason Smith, who's at Saranac Public Schools. Driving a bus too, huh? Every day. I love it. Jason said he drives a bus every day because he can't, and this isn't a substitute bus driver run, this is an everyday run because he cannot find enough drivers in his district. But you know what? It starts at the top. If people see the superintendent driving the bus, uh, that has a trickle-down effect. Sure does. It's like it would in business. Step up, you know, and if the leader's willing to step up and roll up his sleeves and do what's got to get done, uh, hopefully uh, some others will follow course. And this also, I guess, why the Michigan High School Athletic Association is behind this legislation that schools, whether they're big or small, that are looking for a freshman coach, a JV coach, Looking for somebody who can help out on game days. Anybody that can be a part of their athletic department or a substitute teacher or a janitor, no matter what it is, they have bodies that are sitting there nine months, have to take a nine-month hiatus, right? Exactly right. And uh, if schools are looking for people to help us with some part-time needs, wouldn't you think a 30-year educator would be the perfect person? It's not like you're rolling the dice with somebody brand new to the world of working with kids, but these are folks that have made a career of working with young people, and um, and right now we're telling these folks, no, you can't come back and coach that junior high volleyball team, or you can't come back and coach that JV golf team. Or seventh grade football team. Fill in right? the blank, whatever it is. It just, it just lacks a lot of common sense that in a time where people have never been more valuable. Um, we changed the law a year ago to, to, to handcuff us uh, greatly. And when you look at it, too, uh, when you're hiring coaches today with what is out there, uh, with camera phones, with social networks, it's even more important to vet your coaches, know they have a background that fits your school district, your high school, your middle school, whatever it is. And to me, knowing you have an educator who has worked with kids for 20 years, has a spotless record. Why wouldn't you want him or her connected to your athletic department? Whether it's freshman or JV, or whether it's a seventh or eighth grade team, yep. right? I think it's a no-brainer. It's Those are the people, Bill, you'd want at the very front of the line if you're yes. picking. And, uh, you and know, substitute teachers as well. Everything. A, a teacher that just wants to substitute a couple days a week because they miss it. Uh, but they have to sit out nine months before they can do it. Just it, it's like I said the 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 when the law changed last summer, it I was trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, and, and still thirteen months later, I don't follow the logic of why this had to be changed. Are coaches still a rare commodity uh, that you hear from schools that fill in the lower levels? You know, freshman. You'll hear, well, we can't do a freshman team because not because we couldn't find players. 
We couldn't find coaches. Whether that's volleyball, soccer, it could be any sport, depending on the size of the school. Are there schools that talk about a shortage of quality coaches? Yes, and that is an everyday conversation. It's why uh, Kathy Westorp of our staff, I mean, we have a nationally renowned coaches advancement program to where we're constantly training and in-servicing coaches because the biggest need that we hear from our schools is we don't have enough quality, well-trained coaches to be able to, to fill all of our spots. One other drastic shortage that we're seeing right now, Bill, is in the world of athletic trainers. Um, the degree to become an athletic trainer has been changed in the last two years where it's gone from a four-year degree to a six-year degree. It now requires a master's level degree to, to become, be a trainer? To become an athletic trainer. Yep, with all of the, the medical... Why did that change? Well, they wanted to raise the bar on the on the kind of candidates that they were were moving into this work area, but the the huge roadblock to this is there are ways where folks can make big money right now in the medical profession, and of all of those opportunities in the medical profession, probably the one that pays the least is athletic training. It's the worst hours. It's evenings and weekends when you're playing a lot of those games. And uh, so folks that do want to want to take the medical path, they're going into other areas um, where they can get a degree, they can jump in, whether it's nursing, and make some real significant money. So um, again, other decisions that are made well beyond our realm to, to increase the academic requirements that somebody has to meet to become an athletic trainer but again, the, the money not following that, Bill, I worry where we're going to be in the next five to 10 years where our schools are just going to not find anyone that can fill what I think is probably one of the most valuable spots um, in an athletic program. Was that a move done by large hospital groups to make sure that schools would have to come to their group to get trainers? Academic institutions. They're the ones that have upped the requirements mm. to where they wanted a, they wanted it to be a there, more... There's no two-year degree which would qualify you enough to... Not to become... An, nope. not, not to wrap an ankle? Nope, because right now, uh, and also... Uh, Athletic trainers in Michigan have to be licensed, so you have to get licensed through the state of Michigan. Are they trying Michigan. to run everybody out of even becoming an athletic trainer? It appears that way. The cynical part of me says it appears that way some days because forever that was a four-year degree, um, and because of that, we had a, a nice quality and, and a nice quantity of people that were, were getting into that profession. And again, it's bad hours. It's low pay, and now I've got to go to school for an extra two years uh, that entire uh, ecosystem is, I just think, uh, making bad decision after bad decision right now. So the, the same way you're pushing for the nine-month hiatus separated from a school district when you retire as a teacher educator, uh, is, there, is there any path here where the athletic trainer guidelines could be changed with you working with the educational institutions. That will become our next fight. So, Bill, once we get to retirement, um, the retirement fix, and again, it's just like a football game, right? We get the retirement fix across the goal line. Um, we get uh, 60 seconds to run back to the uh, to our line where we'll kick the ball off again, and then it's on to the next topic. But, uh, no, for our listeners out there, I'm telling you, if you have a really good athletic trainer in your 
uh, son or daughters. Pay that, have, pay that man or woman right oh now. Oh my right? goodness. They might be the most valuable commodity right now in school sports. Schools with great trainers, man, you need to treat them with some TLC because uh, those are incredibly valuable. Yeah, a little right TLC and a little payday. Hello. Right. Take care of them. I don't no. think you guys would say that if you were like doing it in in front of a committee. I don't think you would go, hey, Bill, can you speak? Wait, what did you tell me on the show, Bill? Yeah. Hold on. You got to give him a little TLC. Senator, payday. No, you're not going to do that, right? Uh, my octave doesn't go no, that I'm, high. I'm so surprised I can get that high, whatever. it's. I'm not get that high. We're not talking. This is high school sports, MHSAA. Uh, Brett, uh, are we ready for a break? I think we are. I think we are. That is good timing. Mark Hewell, Executive Director, Michigan High School Athletic Association, uh, in studio. Follow everything Michigan High School Sports. MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and MHSAA.tv, man. Uh, On demand, live, boys, girls, high school sports all across Michigan and America. It's well worth the investment. Go to MHSAA.com. TV. One one follow up though on um, the trainer issue and looking at schools. Are there any requirements from the MHSAA that states a trainer must be there on game day, uh, X amount of practices? Is there any uniform policy that schools have to follow when it comes to athletic trainers? There isn't because we could, again, we could enforce a policy. But, Bill, right now, our, we're about 60% of our schools have access to some athletic training services. Through a connection, a partnership they have usually with a hospital yep. or doctor's medical group, right? Yep, that's probably uh, about two-thirds of that group. We've got another third who some school districts have seen the value of having a trainer um, who have made them a full-time employee. And then our remaining 40%, you know, maybe they have uh, an EMT that that's at their um, football games or wrestling meets, some of the more high-contact type things. But we could have a requirement, and Bill, there are parts in our upper peninsula or in the Thumb area or northern lower Michigan where you can go through almost an entire county without having a single licensed athletic trainer. So, yeah, we could come up with the requirement, but the reality is there just aren't people right now to fill those spots. And with some of the academic roadblocks that have been put up here recently, uh, we're afraid uh, a a problem is going to become an even bigger problem. Well, it sounds to me like uh, the power of medical groups in this state, and it's pretty simple to look at them. Uh, The names are out there. Usually you'll see the signage at your local high schools at a sporting event that they get together and they work with the educational institutions and they say, look, we we could use a two-year associate degree for a apprentice trainer and a four-year degree as an athletic trainer and a six-year degree is if you want to supervise trainers, right? You could, it's really simple to set up. It's almost like a teacher, right? Yep. You get someone who's a student teacher, right? Then you get the teacher, and then if you want to be a principal or an AD, you need your master's, right? It makes that makes logical sense. You need me to back me. now. Now after the payday comment, you're gonna have me back there at the Senate. I'm gonna walk in, everyone's gonna rise, I'm gonna sit down, what is it, a courtroom? I'm gonna say we need to do that. It's it's common sense, isn't it? It is. And again, the decisions that that some are making right now in a time where the most valuable resource we have are people. Um, we need to try and uh, eliminate some of the hurdles from the track rather than creating some new ones. And Mark, what I tell everybody on air and off air, with you and your team, you know, Kathy Westorp and everybody 
whoever is Jeff Kimberly, whoever we talk to, what you and your team are doing at the Michigan High School Athletic Association isn't just about showing up to sporting events or state championships. You're really having a vision down the road for the future and understanding the need for more officials and your push for more officials has worked. I mean, I, and we'll talk about that coming up and also the all-woman football officiating crew. Uh, a lot of good things that you and your team are fighting for that benefit our children in this state. And that's been your motto since you became executive director. And like I said, it starts at the top. And I see it with everybody at your Lansing office at the Michigan High School Athletic Association and your executive council that really sets up uh, the decision making. So well done. Keep up the good work. And we'll talk about the state of officiating at Michigan High Schools coming up, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the MHSAA, in studio on this Wednesday broadcast. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. We played for the thrill, that rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older in Michigan to play. Join Van Andel Institute Purple Community for the Be Brave 5K Walk and Run in Caledonia on October 7th at 8 a.m. You can participate in a day of fun and exercise all while supporting breast cancer research at Van Andel Institute. Register at VAI.org. Merck Perks from Mercantile Bank is here. Merck Perks checking has all you need to plan your busy lifestyle. Travel services for hotels, airfare and cruises, cash back rewards, and even savings on prescriptions, eyewear, and dental work. Merck Perks also includes all the traditional benefits you love, like online and mobile banking, and fee-free access to almost 40,000 MoneyPass ATMs. So when you're ready for Perks, Merck is here. Learn more at MyMerkPerks.com, member FDIC. Huge here for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code HUGE when they sign up can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. Just use that code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Also, DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code HUGE. New customers then can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and that's also only when you use code HUGE when you sign up. The crown is yours. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Thank you. 
number two on a Wednesday broadcast presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association continues. Remember, you can follow everything Michigan High School Sports 24-7, MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And if you want to watch live high school boys and girls sports in Michigan and on demand and even all across America, go to MHSAA.tv. You'll love it. Trust me, it's, I don't know if I spent 70 80 bucks. I don't know. With all my subscriptions, I have no idea uh, what I subscribe to uh, now with everything going on. But trust me, MHSAA.tv, go subscribe. Uh, today, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association in studio with us. I did see at MHSAA.com celebrating an all-woman football officiating crew, uh, the first in history. So what are the percentages right now of female officials in the state of Michigan when it comes to high school sports? In general, it's always been about 88 to 12. Um, we're 88% male, uh, 12% female. Certainly in some sports, uh, it's almost all female. Our competitive cheer judges, uh, while it's not 100%, uh, nearly so. All, all of our, most of our gymnastics judges happen to be females. Uh, of our larger sports, probably the one that, that's the closest to 50-50 is in volleyball, and uh, you know, there's now I believe uh, three women who are part of the NFL officiating staff. Uh, Sarah Thomas was the first, and they've added uh, two more in the last two years. And I think uh, more and more women now see that opportunity um, to get involved at the high school level or even the college level. So it was down in the Metro Detroit area uh, that crew of uh, five African American uh, women worked the game last Friday night. Uh, the white hat on that game, her name is Nicole Randolph, and Nicole actually uh, officiates now in the MAC and in the Big Ten. She's a uh, uh, field judge, side judge, so that's one of the deep officials on the sideline. But Nicole has uh, climbed the ladder very, very quickly, um, working now at Division One, and she had uh, her, her college crew was off last weekend, so uh, got together uh, kind of four women that, that she's worked with and is mentoring and training, and a really, really neat thing. Yeah, that was the Waterford Kettering Detroit Lincoln King varsity game last Thursday at Detroit Mercy. And if anybody wants to become an official, uh, it, it's interesting post pandemic again when we keep talking about where there was a, not a seismic change, but things uh, and needs uh, have changed since the pandemic at the high school level and also at the high school sports level. Uh, high school kids can ref middle school sports. I know we bring this up. A couple of times a month, but it's important to know that there are opportunities for high school athletes and high school students to officiate. There is. If you're a freshman or a sophomore, you can go ahead and get registered. And once you complete that easy process, you can uh, officiate at the junior high middle school level. And if you're a junior or a senior, you go through that same process. In addition to working junior high games, you can also work at the sub-varsity level. So if you want to, if you're a junior in high school and you're a basketball person and you get registered in basketball, you can work uh, freshman JV as well as junior high. And it's one of the things, Bill, once you complete the process, you can start putting money in your pocket uh, almost right away. So MHSA.com, click on the officials button. All the information you need is right there. So you're, you're saying that a kid in high school, boy or girl, could go through the easy process at MHSA.com to become an official, and then they can't work their own schools. 
All right, am I correct? No, you can work in your same school district because the the theory with our student officials, you know, there's more on the line at the varsity level. But if you're going to work at the sub varsity level, especially the junior high, middle school level, um, there's no conflict of interest with that. And a lot of times with our with our high school aged officials, is we link you right away with a mentor. So it's uh, not a case of we're sending two newbies out there on their own, but you're working with your mentor, and really important to get those uh, young kids off on the right foot. Mark Hewitt. Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association joining us uh, on the huge show across Michigan. Yeah, so a kid in high school, I don't think kids understand that. And I don't think parents, I've never, I haven't seen it a lot where I'll see a high school kid work in a game. What, what percentage? Maybe you know this with all the numbers uh, with rest we just talked about or just talked about with women and men. How many active high schoolers are officiating at the sub varsity level in the state of Michigan, any rough ballpark numbers? Actually, it, it's um, I want to say the last time I looked, we're right around three hundred and four kids. So those are our are what we call our legacy program officials. Statewide, right? Statewide, um, a lot of those kids, and that's how I started. Um, a lot of those three hundred plus kids. Uh, have a parent or a relative that also officiates. So you kind of grow up with it. You kind of realize, hey, this is uh, not just a a possible pathway in terms of a career or a side hustle, but it's a way to start earning some money. Bill, when I was in college, I never had a real job. And the only thing I did to put money in my pocket for the weekends was I officiated everything, whether it was baseball or AAU basketball. And that is literally how I put myself through school and, uh, you know, then was able to kind of move up the ladder in baseball and really make some real money. You know, my 16-year-old daughter, one of her possible career paths being a basketball kid is she says, Dad, I want to be a Division One college women's basketball official because she's been around it enough with me to know that right now at the D1 level, uh, the game checks are right now just north of $3,000 a game at the D1 level. And Game check for officials are at $3,000 a game? They are. Right now, a Big Ten football official this fall, their game check is just north of 4000 a game. Now, again, you want to talk about pressure and scrutiny and all those things, but you know, football, they can only work once a week. We're in the basketball world. You get to that Division One level and you see some of the top people on TV night after night after night, um, there is a significant amount of money that can be made at that level. Go to MHSA.com. If you have a kid in high school or you're a high schooler listening, junior or senior, you could work sub-level freshman JV games or freshman or sophomore. You could even work at your uh, local middle school, MHSAA.com. You'll see the officials link there. That is MHSAA.com. And remember, MHSAA.tv, subscribe. You can follow your local high school teams, all sports, boys and girls, uh, year-round at a really cool price. That's MHSAA.tv. Sign up. I've done it. You can do it. Go to MHSAA.tv. Big. Bad. Huge. Following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. 
What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on an MHSAA Wednesday. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. We're being heard on 19 stations statewide for the one close to you. Go to thehugeshow.net. There you can listen to our free weekday stream, 3 until 6. And on the iHeart app, search The Huge Show. And you can listen anywhere in the world where you have mobile service. Mark Gill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, in studio here for the next couple of segments. Mark also does his yearly tour where he reaches out uh, to Michigan high schools and he wants their feedback on what is important, what's on a checklist they would like to see get done. And Mark, one of the things that we touched on briefly the last time you were in studio, NIL at the high school level. What are you hearing from member schools when it comes to name, image, and likeness money for Michigan high school student-athletes? We're getting some interesting feedback right now from our schools because, Bill, a bill was introduced in the Michigan House of Representatives here about six weeks ago that would allow NIL opportunities for high school kids in Michigan. Now, the bill itself, it's essentially a copy of the current state law for college NIL opportunities in Michigan. So wherever the old bill said college, it's almost like they just got out their eraser and erased college and penciled in high school. Well, I got invited to testify because um, I, I do have some, some real concerns and I think the thing that uh, really resonated with uh, those on the uh, the House Higher Education Committee, which was the, the committee it was before, is I explained that college NAL makes a lot of sense because college sports, especially at the Power Five level, are a billion-dollar industry. In that industry, you've got people at the Power Five level who are making millions of dollars, whether that's coaches, whether that's high-end administrators, Um, This is a billion-dollar industry to where there are millionaires being made every day of the week. So a reasonable person could look at the college landscape and say, with all the money being generated, you know what? It makes sense for the kids here to be getting a piece of the action. And I told the committee that day that's why college NIL makes a lot of sense, at least to me personally. Now take this to the high school level. Most high school athletic budgets are 2% of their total school budget. Um, that is quite common in almost all of our schools. So it's not a billion-dollar industry at the high school level. Of that 2%, you've got high school athletic departments that are hoping to break even at the end of the year. You then take the next step. Well, instead of millionaires being paid at the, at the coaching and administrative level, you've now got people, and the average salary right now of a school coach in Michigan is $3,800 a season. So we're a break-even operation average coaching salary is $3,800. I'm not quite sure the high school level has the same economic scale as the college level to where an NIL bill is necessary. And and when I said that, I got really good body language from uh, both Democrats and Republicans on the committee. And that's why the bill, at least for now, and I'm knocking on every piece of wood near me, has seemed to slow. Now, the one part where I can see a very narrow exception would be individual opportunities for individual kids. Because what I would not want to have happen is we have a real, and fill in the sport, a really talented kid in Michigan who has a, they go through their freshman year of high school, their sophomore year of high school, 
and they are a legit athlete. This is a kid who's going to be highly recruited, a kid who's going to have certainly future opportunities at the college level, and who knows beyond that. What I would hate to have, Bill, is for those kids in, in his or her family to then have to make the decision, well, going into my junior year, we have to move out of state, and we have to move to a state that does allow some individual NIL opportunities. So, And by the way, most of the NIL money that is currently being made at the college level actually flows to kids through what they're doing on social media. It's the kind of following and presence that they have on Instagram or, or you know, how slick uh, their TikTok videos are and, and what the number of followers are and what the metrics are beyond that. So I would be able to find a very narrow um, exception. But what I was able to tell the committee that day is if we're going to bring NIL to the high school level and uh, school booster clubs are now going to somehow become collectives, we think we have issues right now between the public and non-public schools in our state um, to, to go with the Wild West that uh, college the college space has right now with collectives and, you know, you come to our school and be part of this program and here are the dollars attached to it. That will absolutely be a battle where it will be a draw line in the sand and, and we'll go to war over that. So a kind of a long rambling answer, but wanted to give your listeners kind of just a 30,000 foot overview of the current bill. Like I said, there's not any indication that it's going to move here quickly, but What's the one thing we can live with? Individual opportunities for individual kids. And by the way, Bill, you're going to be talking less than 1% of kids every single year who would even have uh, some opportunity in this area. Mark, I think we touched on this a little bit before that if you're going to get to the point where you want kids to get paid, then create high schools, charter schools that aren't part of the Michigan High School Athletic Association that do their own thing. And those kids basically would get paid uh, to go to that school. Could be free education, could be like a, a, you know, a private institution. They have their own championships. They have a network of 10, 12 teams, and they play almost similar to what the G League is doing, right? The G League or even, you know, uh, you know, because we've talked on here earlier that we've adjusted our, our travel and competition rule. And, you know, I'll bump into a few people. And, oh, I can't wait to, you know, have some of our schools play IMG. Well, IMG is no more of a high school than I am an Olympic level athlete. That the, that IMG is not a high school. IMG is a sports academy. And if you want your child to go and do the sports academy experience, God bless you. Um, wish you all the best. But don't try and, and take your personal opinion and try and have our 750 high schools all morph into these uh, you know sports academy type setups. We are educational based sports that yep, the athletic experience is a very important part of what we do, but it's all part of the total school experience. We're students first, athletes second and uh, and again for those very you know high level kids that want to do the sports academy thing, God bless you. Uh, we wish you well, but don't try and, and uh, you know push uh, that approach on to, to all of our other high schools. And as we've mentioned before, talking about like the IMG Academy, they do not play in the Florida High School Athletic Association, correct? That is correct. And every time you see IMG on TV, you see them playing bet- uh, before a couple hundred fans because these are kids from all over the country. There is no sense of community. There is no sense of we're playing um, for that school to where I started off as a kindergartner. 
all of the the culture and fab, fabric bill that makes the high school sports experience so special those sports academies have none of it they draw the same number of fans that AAU draws which are flies um, again the thing that that makes school sports unique is school, uh, high school sports in Michigan is part of the community and that's what makes uh, right now a Friday night in the fall uh, so very special you know, speaking of the growth of high school football that we talked about in my opening conversation with you today, and Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us. Has there ever been any conversation about uh, allowing football teams to have some spring days where they could get together? Not necessarily contact, but just a, a shortened 8, 10, 12 practices where on a Sunday night uh, the football teams could get something done in the spring. So the philosophical conversation that's gone back and forth is our current out-of-season rules bill allows school coaches to work with kids every single day, but they're limited to no more than four at a time. So you're saying that any program could work with kids every single day, four at a time. So football season goes, uh, you know, school start, you know, say end of August, goes until June. The football season goes until early November or late November if you're making a run to Ford Field. So most teams will use that after January 1st. They'll do their four-on-fours that spring semester like uh, Joe Schwander, a great coach at Forest Hills Eastern, does. They get together on, I think, twice a week at 6.30 in the morning, right, yep. with with groups of four. Yep, so, uh, so everybody's football season for the out-of-season rules actually ends on the last day of our finals. So whether your school doesn't make the playoffs, gets eliminated in the first round, everybody's out-of-season clock starts on the same day, which is the day after the last state championship game. So for football programs during the months of December, January, February, March, April, and May, you're now under the four-player rule. So if you're going to do anything with a football or football-specific activities, your coaches can work with four kids at a time. And it's very common, um, okay, from after school from 3 to 3.30, we're going to work with our four quarterbacks. And at 3.30, I'm going to bring in a group of four linemen. And at 4 o'clock, I'm going to bring in a group of four linebackers. In other words, our schools, like the individual groups that are really unlimited, can be every day. Because what that, in most cases, allows for is those kids to also play a sport in the spring. The fear is that if you would give football or any other sport that you're going to get eight practice days in the spring or you're going to get uh, you know uh, t- six practice days and we're going to let you go play in four seven-on-sevens, what that might do, because football drives the bus in a lot of our school communities, is, well, now kids might say, well, I'm not going to play baseball. Or, you know what, I'm, a, I'm an average track kid. You know, I enjoy running. It's probably good for me. But you know what, instead of running track and being part of that team, I'm going to do the spring football thing. And our schools have said, we don't want that. Um, if that's an experience that somebody wants, there are plenty of options in the southern part of our country where spring football is a thing. What's interesting and you've heard me say on air before, is what I constantly compare Michigan to is what are the other Big Ten states doing? Now, that'll get a little more complicated come next year when most of the West Coast becomes part of the Big Ten footprint. But, okay, what are our rules, and and what kind of footing does this place our kids with when compared with Pennsylvania or Ohio or Illinois or Minnesota or Iowa? And right now, Bill, most of our rules allow all of our kids in Michigan 
to really be on equal footing to what's allowed in those other states. Those other states don't have spring football either because there is kind of a Midwestern mindset that we want kids to play multiple sports. Every year after the first round of the NFL draft, you always see a graphic or a meme online that of the 32 guys picked in the first round, at least 20-plus of those kids were multi sport athletes in high school they just didn't focus on football because again if you're going to be a first round draft choice you're going to be a freak athlete not just a football athlete but an athlete that you know plays basketball runs track does whatever and uh and that is certainly why uh philosophically we want kids to be well-rounded mark Hill, executive director of the michigan high school athletic association joining us in studio here on the huge show Across Michigan. Yeah, I, I look at it, and I think between the spring four-on-four workouts, the workouts they start in June, football is well covered on on workouts. I think at Michigan high schools. Correct? It does. And, and the other thing you hear from, from people in the uh, medical world and the training world is, you know what, kids need a break. I know, Bill, your family, uh, you know, are, are baseball people, and you know what, now with all of the uh, winter training and, and off-season training, I mean, you have kids who are, are pitchers to where uh, you talk to, to people who are professional scouts. They're like, kids need to put the ball down for a couple of months because you're seeing just the overuse injuries because everybody's chasing the, you know, I'm a pitcher and, you know, want to get drafted, want to get that Division One scholarship. And what you lose sight of sometimes is the human body needs a little bit of rest. And so that's also our, our philosophy of individual groups out of the season are okay, but we don't want, you know, teams to, to literally be going uh, 12 months out of the year. And the one thing I will say about the fall sports, with those individual workouts, with what they do having the summer to walk it up, there's a big advantage. You bet. There is. And then I look at, you know, my son Legend playing soccer at Forest Hills Eastern, that they have that summer to get ready where the girls' soccer rolls into a winter and they may do some indoor leagues and they'll, they'll do their four-on-fours. But it's almost like some of those winter sports maybe could get an expansion on the numbers that are allowed because there is a competitive advantage for the fall sports compared to the spring sports. Yep, and and if you remember back as we were coming out of COVID. Yes, the 14 extra practices. We did. We gave, so our, our spring teams lost their entire seasons in that spring of, of uh, 2020. And what we allowed all of our spring sports to do that fall of 20 is we gave them full practice days. And uh, I really thought our schools would be more in support of that because the feedback we got from our spring programs was this was great. It really kind of helped us reconnect with our kids, reconnect with our athletes. But the the one negative that we all lived through is, well, that was a certain um, dissentive for kids to also be playing a fall sport. What it, what our school people said is, you know what, this is if we would allow this all the time, it would really, um, I think, uh, be an impediment to kids playing multiple sports, and that's why we went back to the four-player rule. Right, and I agree, and it could hurt the winter sport if you moved it to 14 practices in the winter, yep. indoors full teams. Well, you know what, I'm not, a girl might say I'm playing soccer, I'm not going to play basketball, right? Exactly. And, and, and the pressure that is applied there depending on how seriously that school takes that spring sport, right? hundred percent. And uh, no, in, in kids at the high school level, if you know, if you have your one sport where that's your focus and your best sport, 
I, I'm still old school enough to think that, you know what, kids should still have the opportunity to be part of their secondary sport where, you know what, I'm probably not putting all of the work in out of season and year round, but you know what, when basketball season comes around every year, I'm still good enough to make my school team. I enjoy being part of the team. I enjoy the sport. Um, kids should still be able to do that uh, without having to focus on just one sport year round. It's almost like there should be a three-sport athlete award for the Michigan High School Athletic Association every year to athletes who play all three sports. Our, not, not based on their numbers, yep. but a combination of what they do in the classroom, what they do in the community, and what they do on the field. Right? Yep. And we've uh, pushed that multi-sport athlete or statewide uh, ADs association, the MIAAA. That is always a focus that they have. And um, just trying to draw more attention to that because, again, you – when your uh, high school days are done, um, done. You know, your, your chance to, to play multiples, it, it's over. Um, and so we want to make sure that kids have that chance. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio here on the Huge Show Wednesdays, presented by the MHSAA. Follow everything Michigan High School Sports, MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And you can watch live and on-demand boys and girls high school sports all across Michigan. Just go to MHSAA.tv. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. In the gym. Hey, sports fans, here's a hanging curveball that you can knock out of the ballpark. This is Matt Shepard, the voice of Detroit baseball, inviting you to step up to the plate at Eagle Casino and Sports, the mobile sports book where you can bet on all your favorites all year round, including, of course, our national pastime. So download the app and start winning today. The Eagle Casino and Sports, made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 years or older and in Michigan to play. We are enamored by certain things in sports, and in baseball, it's always been about the home run. 500 is deemed to be the magic mark for a career. Miguel Cabrera is part of a 28-man group who has hit that many in Major League history. Cabrera stands 26th all-time on that list with 510, 255 on the road, 255 at home. He also ranks 17th all-time in hit, 13th all-time in doubles and RBIs, 14th in total bases and extra base hits. I've said for the last two years it's amazing the company he keeps in all these categories, but maybe I should be looking at it the other way around. It's incredible that so many players are in the same company as Miguel Cabrera. Bill Simonson here for my good friend, Josh Garvey. He is a managing partner at Bean Garter, soon to be Dorn Mayhew, and they'll be stronger together. And did you know Bean Garter can help your business with outsourcing your payroll and other business needs? That can help ease tax filing and year-end reporting, compliance reporting, human resources management, time and attendance tracking, and more. Just go to beangarter.com to find out more how they can help your payroll system and make your workplace that much smoother. Go to beangarter.com. That's B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. And they can help you with all your payroll needs. Like I mentioned, tax filing and year-end reporting, compliance reporting, human resources management, time and attendance tracking, and more. All your payroll needs can be handled by the team at Bean Garter. Find out more at beangarter.com. We played for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro wide receiver. 
Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older than Michigan to play. Make sure you listen weekly to our Moving Ferris Forward interviews with Ferris President Bill Pink and other leaders who are moving Ferris forward. Find out more about Big Rapids and Ferris and what they have to offer at ferris.edu. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan, segment two on a Wednesday, presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, their executive director, Mark Ewell, in studio. So, Mark, you mentioned that you do all of these uh, state tour stops to get feedback from uh, member high schools. Uh, we talked about the NIL. Uh, we talked about uh, what they like, don't like. Uh, what else is on the hot topic list? For Michigan high schools when it comes to sports. So we're talking about the winter sports calendar. Um, I think there's a lot of sentiment for the winter seasons to end a week earlier. Um, for example, what if a, our next two years are set, so we're not going to do anything with the calendar until at least the uh, 2025-26 school year. But we're really talking about moving our winter calendar up by one week. What that would do, Bill, is that would put our boys' basketball finals every year on the weekend of the Big Ten basketball tournament. Right now, we have some challenges drawing spectators to our championships at Breslin because we're competing with probably the most powerful event in all of sports, and that's the three-week run of the NCAA tournament. So we would love to get our high school seasons, as much of it done before the NCAA tournament starts. So our calendar would be the boys' finals at the Breslin Center, which would now be, um, in most years, it'd be the second weekend of March. Our girls' finals would stay on the same weekend, and our girls' basketball would then be the finishing exclamation point on the winter, and they would be the third weekend of March, which would be on their corresponding date, which is the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, And then that would be it. We would put winter to bed. Uh, Spring coaches would love it. Often our spring coaches feel like they they, uh, sometimes aren't a priority, so they would get their spring athletes a week earlier. And the other thing, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to this, over the last 10 years, most school districts have moved their spring breaks one week earlier. Bill, when you and I were probably growing up, spring break every year was the first full week of April. Well, what's happened is most of our schools have moved their spring break into late March. So now the kids do break in March, come back, you get a full week of school that first week of April, And now that second week of April is the spring state testing window because they didn't want kids coming off the beach somewhere in Florida that first week of April. And now that first Monday back in school after spring break, uh, you're sitting down and taking a, a standardized state test. So we've seen breaks move earlier into March. Um, and we just feel like it would give us better exposure, 
a better fit on the calendar. It would also uh, open up some more runway for our spring sports. And so right now it seems like our schools are in support of just getting winter started a week earlier, ending it a week earlier, um, just really seems to fit in a lot of different ways. You know, speaking of championships, uh, coming up in November will be the first time you will have all four championships for Michigan High School uh, boys soccer in the fall, all at one location in Grand Ledge. It is, and and, uh, I think our soccer community is really excited about this because – Um, What we always had to do is we played two of our divisions in the Grand Rapids area, two of our divisions in the Metro Detroit area. Well, depending on your matchups, you would always have a couple of fan bases that were in West Michigan that had to go to Detroit or vice versa. With us now putting all four championship games right in mid-Michigan at Grand Ledge High School, which has a beautiful stadium, a new turf setup, nice wide field. It's a perfect fit for soccer um, to now have all four championship games centrally located at one spot. It'll be great for TV coverage. It will be great for media coverage. And uh, I think now all fans inspect nobody will have to make that statewide trek anymore. You've got everybody coming to the middle of the state. And so now that first Saturday in, in November, uh, we're really, really looking forward to a great uh, first experience at Grand Ledge High School. Mark, I know you do the fall tour and you get the feedback from member schools, but just from what you think, your staff, what you talk about, what you think would be awesome to add to high school sports, what, what, what is in that conversation for you today? So right now we're, and that's one of the topics on the tour, is we're asking our schools, are we now at the point where we need to look at adding sports? Um, the six that, that I'm talking about to the over 1,000 people I'll meet with, uh, and I'm about halfway done, so we've got three of our, our meetings done. We started in Kalamazoo. We were in Detroit last week. I was here in uh, Grand Rapids yesterday. Kid Rock doesn't do a tour like that across Michigan. There you go. Tomorrow is Frankenmuth with a chicken dinner at Zender's Mm. is where the uh, Frankenmuth meeting is. And then next week uh, we're in Gaylord and then we're in Lansing. And then at the end of October, I'll head up and uh, meet with our UP schools in the Superior Dome at Marquette. Sure, you don't want to move that up a week or two? No. Forget about the state championships. Never know what weather you're going to get in October in the UP. That is true, and we're always trying to avoid deer hunting dates whenever you go above the bridge. So it's finding that right date on the calendar that seems to work for our school people. But the, one of the things that uh, it's the last thing I talk about is, okay, what's the appetite right now for new activities? And, and kind of the menu that we're looking at, um, boys and girls water polo. So that right now is it's sponsored by about 70 of our schools. We've only got about 40 teams in each gender because a lot of those schools that are water polo schools um, have co-op agreements. So, and it tends to be our biggest school. So our aquatic schools are, are those tend to be our bigger schools. So certainly uh, boys and girls water polo is, is on the radar. Uh, boys volleyball here in West Michigan, there is tremendous growth. Uh, I think there's a little less interest in the Metro Detroit area, but we're certainly getting the feedback of us uh, sponsoring boys volleyball. You've already got facilities, equipment, coaches, and officials. It's not like you're starting a brand new sport. It's really that that turnkey that you have in the fall with girls. What would that look like with boys in the spring? We're also talking girls flag football. I think there is a lot of interest. The challenge with, with flag football for girls 
is what season do you play it? I know we've talked about this on here before. You know, if it fits into the fall, does that create some new choices for kids? There's already a ton of different sports in the spring. Would the spring be the the right choice or the wrong choice? I am envious of my colleagues. Uh, several of our southern states in uh, have flag football. Florida, especially where it's just taken off. Well, my my envy is they play girls flag football in Florida during the winter. Um, it fits perfectly on their calendar. Um, obviously, we've got some more weather weather and climate change uh, challenges ahead of us. So, but we are looking at uh, girls flag football, uh, looking at girls field hockey. Small number of schools, but a, a very well run organization. Girls ice hockey, and then last but not least, and. You still bring this topic up in the room and you get all kinds of reactions. It's the esports question. Many of our universities are now starting esports, have programs. Um, that dilemma of do you, are you now encouraging kids to spend more time in front of a screen? But yet, all of the mental health studies that you read about kids is at the end of the day, kids just want to belong to something. And if starting esports in schools, probably capturing kids who aren't part of our traditional athletic programs now. So we'll see where the uh, eSports conversation and debate continues to take us. So on the we do a survey during my presentation. It's real-time. Folks do it on their phone with a QR code. And so we are getting some really good feedback of, one, is there an appetite for us to add new sports right now? And if so, uh, what are your, uh, your two highest priorities of, of what those sports would be? I think the most participation would be boys volleyball and girls flag football. Yep. I know I'm seeing it with the NFL now making a big push, donating the flag football programs all across the country in states that are playing flag football. And I saw they made a donation to a flag football program. The Lions did in Detroit. Yep. Uh, they did a big one, the NFL out in Arizona. I just think you already have the fields. There's not a lot of cost for flags. Right, you have officials who can work it, and you have boys volleyball would be perfect in the spring. The girls flag football season is one that I, I kind of say because it's the mindset of football that you might start it a little bit earlier in August before school would start, and the girls play. There's nothing going on, and they could finish up when the weather's still good, similar to soccer somewhere in late October, and you run the girls' games on mostly Monday night, right, mm-hmm. where, you know, football would be done. The games are at, you know, 7 o'clock. You know, flag football take a couple of hours, if that hour and a half. Yeah, and it could be a shorter season. So there's lots of different right. options available. And, again, it's, you know, we, we talked earlier today, Bill, you know, the, the obituary that was written about all things football and high school football um, we're seeing great growth in, in rebound uh, with our with our boys playing tackle, and I also think we're seeing a lot of interest uh, all around the country of of girls getting a chance uh, to play flag football as well, which uh, I think just bodes well for the future. And watching Powder Puff games at Forest Hills Eastern the final two years when my daughter was there, there were there were some energy, some great talent, and. Yeah. Again, it would be easy to pull off with those high school stadiums, and you do it on an off night, a Monday, Tuesday games to rotate so officials could get to all of them. And I think you get a ton of participation. I, I You're going to cannibalize what fall sport for the girls. You have cross-country and volleyball a little bit, but you could end it close enough where 
Uh, well, volleyball, you probably hit volleyball and cross country. It's volleyball, right? cross country, and golf, uh, along with swimming and diving. So uh, I think there would be more challenges to try and do it in the spring. Now you're competing right, with softball, track, girls soccer, lacrosse, girls soccer, girls, soccer, girls tennis. Um, so I think the fall would make some more sense than the spring. But again, we're a membership-driven organization, and that's why I do the tour. That's why we do the survey, and uh, we're going to get good direction here from our schools. Because if you guys do add those sports, they never can say, Mark! You never you, asked us. You never asked. Yes, we did on uh, his tour. They even have concert like T-shirts for MHSIA.com. No, they took them off now. All right, so those concert, the tour, uh, the Yule tour. Yule tour. Frankenmuth, Zenders. Now, I played at the Fortress, and Zenders owns the Fortress. Yep. And they catered the food afterwards. Best food I've ever had post-golf at any outing ever. So tomorrow in Frankenmuth, I'll actually get administrators from all over the state um, who won't go to the meeting that might be closest to their front door, but they'll make the trip up to Frankenmuth because of the lunch. Uh, it is. It's in the Zenders Banquet Center, mm. and... It is uh, a oh, wonderful chicken luncheon. It was fantastic. Mark, uh, speaking of fantastic, job well done today. Uh, be safe on all your travels. I appreciate what you do for the kids and what your team does out of Lansing for all the high schools, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Bill. All right, Mark, you executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, joining us in studio on an MHSAA Wednesday. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. No one cares what you've been through. No one cares about your hopes, your dreams, your desire to make a difference in this world. Guess what? That isn't true. Law enforcement cares. That's why people join the force. Maybe they came from a world where those things are true. Maybe they didn't. But here's something they have in common. They do care. Maybe you should consider being around people who truly care about you. Visit MichiganPoliceChiefs.org and start the conversation. Elevate your night out at the legendary Roots Chris Steakhouse, now open at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Start with the finest cuts of USDA prime beef. Pair that with handcrafted cocktails, signature signs, and Roots' legendary hospitality, and you've got yourself one incredible night. Roots Chris Steakhouse has arrived. Make a reservation at RootsChris.com for your incredible night at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway reimagined. How would you like to win $1,500 in cash from Josh Garvey and his team at Bean Carter Dorn Mayhew Firm? All I have to do is beat my pro football picks and you could be the winner. Get your picks in until early Sunday morning at thehugeshow.net. Tracy, over to you for weather. Oh, the sun must be shining, Dave, because the 7 for 7 sale is back at Meyer. Mix or match hundreds of items like Meyer frozen vegetables, Campbell's condensed soup, and Body Armor sports drink. Pick any 7 for just $7. There's a strong chance of saving with the same quality Meyer deals in-store or online. Back to you, Dave. Sounds great, Tracy. Deals so good. You've just got to talk about them. Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Huge here for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now we're back with another week of football, and DraftKings is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code HUGE when they sign up can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. 
throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away with an instant winner. Just use that code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Also, DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code HUGE. New customers then can bet $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And that's also only when you use code HUGE when you sign up. The crown is yours. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. It's time for another edition of Chew and Blue on the Huge Show across Michigan. Each and every week, we get together with the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police and we talk about the great stories behind law enforcement agencies all across our state and the brave men and women who serve and protect on a daily basis. And today, we're going to welcome in Jeremy Peppers. St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County in southwest Michigan. He is standing by on True and Blue. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. All right. Tell me about where you felt the need to serve and protect and where and when you got involved in law enforcement. Well, uh, for, for as long as I can remember, uh, being a police officer was something I always wanted to do. Uh, I think it originated from my grandfather being a police officer. Um, when I was a young boy, my mom found a picture that I drew as a kid that said I want to be a police officer when I grow up, and I think it just kind of stuck. Um, the thing about the job that I love is it's different every shift. You get to make a, a real impact in your community, and there's so many different ways that we can help people. You know, what's interesting, Jeremy, and in looking at your law enforcement resume from the Bangor Police Department to Benton Harbor to St. Joe. You've been on the small town side of law enforcement in the bigger city. Uh, what's the difference there between being a small town police officer and working in a bigger city? I think uh, being in a small town allows you to just have a little bit more sense of community. Um, you know, my department, we host and participate uh, in a lot of local events every year. Um, we're able to engage our citizens out in the neighborhoods. Um, I personally have good relationships with people in our neighborhoods, and I stop out and I and talk with those people frequently. And then now as you move into the bigger city side of law enforcement, how has that changed over the years? Um, you know, over the years, I guess, uh, you know, I started 23 years ago, so there's a lot of different technology that we have now that we didn't have at the beginning. Um, you know, computers in every car, cameras, those kind of things uh, definitely make uh, make it different. So when you look at uh, law enforcement today, uh, if you were the chief of police for every law enforcement agency in Michigan, what do you think could happen uh, both on the civilian side and the law enforcement side where police officers would be more respected by everybody? 
Um, you know, ultimately just uh, giving each other grace, you know, with some of these investigations and some of the, the major incidents that happen. I think uh, the public is quick to make a judgment on something that they don't have all of the information about. Um, you know, the videos get released and, and we can't really give a whole lot of details about what's going on because it's still an active investigation. So, so a lot of times I think maybe just giving us a little grace and a little time to, to get through those investigations so we can get all the information out to everybody. You know, one show that I told everybody on air, I think last week, I've watched this body cam. I think it's on HBO Max. And what's interesting about that compared to other snippets you get of body cams is that they will run start to finish on a call and the entire body cam film is portrayed, talked about uh, with the officers, uh, with the people involved. And it really shows a different side of law enforcement. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but I find that series, it's really a go-to series. I think I've went through all the current episodes, but... Uh, you see from the minute they get the call until they respond, and they be in yourself and law enforcement, and it really shows uh, how dangerous the job is, which most people understand, and also what you go through, depending on whether it's a normal call of pulling somebody over or all hell's breaking loose. Yeah, that's true. Uh, those shows definitely uh, show us in a different light, and uh, I think they're I think they're a good thing. It gets our our point of view out there, uh, they get to see things they wouldn't normally see, and, and I think it's I think it helps. Yeah, it really does. And now, and you help other officers uh, coming into law enforcement as a certified field training officer. By the way, uh, Jeremy Peppers from the St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County in Southwest Michigan, joining us on another edition of True and Blue on the Huge Show across Michigan uh, in the field as a field training officer. What's the most important thing you teach future law enforcement agency employees? Uh, the number one thing um, that I'm teaching them is to make sure that we're going home at the end of every day. Um, I teach them tactics to keep them safe, you know, on traffic stops and all the things that we do. Um, that's definitely, definitely the number one thing. What's the one thing that the public should know that you and other police officers know that would help them understand being a police officer and what it takes to do it day in and day out? Um, I think honestly, just um, being cordial, you know, we, we stop cars sometimes and, and they're, you know, not uh, exactly friendly with us. Um, they don't, you know, want to show us things and, and people don't understand that sometimes that makes us a little nervous. And, you know, there should just be a general understanding between both of us that we're both just uh, in the situation because we have to be. Um, and I think it could help us to, to both understand how those situations work, maybe. And how do you wind down? How, how do you, you know, again, turn it on, turn it off? Uh, all police officers have lives uh, beyond putting on the badge. Uh, what's it like for you, Jeremy, that helps you get away and kind of uh, just cleanse your soul and mind and get you ready for another shift or another week of being a police officer? <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time um, I'm coaching my son's baseball team. I, uh, I play some golf. I actually play on a, a softball league occasionally. 
Um, we got a group of guys that play basketball during the week um, in the wintertime. So I definitely keep myself active and um, keep my mind away from it when I'm not working. My man, I appreciate uh, what you do and what everybody in the St. Joseph Township Police Department down in Berrien County, what they do in all law enforcement across the state, man. Uh, you go out every day, you don't know what the next call is going to be, and I really appreciate your service and your willingness to protect and serve. Okay, my man? All right, thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, great job, Jeremy Peppers. Uh, joining us, police officer down St. Joe uh, Township Police Department in Berrien County, another edition of True and Blue, uh, presented by the Michigan Association of Chiefs of Police here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Big. Bad. Huge.